It takes more than using a linter in your CI-CD pipeline, only to realize that it was only pretending to lint to be a great engineer. This <laughs> is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 340. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about all the non-technical stuff, like how to convince your linter to just be better. Turns out all of your build tools that check code quality are actually symbolic links to yes. <laughs> Do nothing successfully. Yep. <laughs> it's my favorite Good news. Command. Everything's fine. <laughs> no, yes actually outputs a Y. It, it, oh, what does you it? Want it? Yeah, and it never ends. What you what you want Don't is true? The, the true command, yes. Yeah. <laughs> true, do nothing successfully. False, do nothing unsuccessfully. Oh, man. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about or what Jameson's talking about, uh, go on your Linux command line and type man, yes, and man, true. They're pretty good. Isn't there a... Hmm, hang on one second. This is really important. By really important, I mean not important. I swear at one point I heard that the square brace was actually a a, a program. Yes, a symlink to the test program. It is now built into most shells, but there was a time, like for example, if you used BusyBox to compile an, an embedded system, there was a time when the left square brace was a file that was a symlink to the another file that was a command called test. Truly, shell programming is the best programming. And the closed square brace was also something. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. The closed square brace was a argument to the open square brace program <laughs> that it would ignore <laughs> just to make it look good on the shell. Like, the, so it was uh, symmetrical, which is pretty funny. Computers rock. Uh, That's not what this show's about. No. We got pretty deep there, but we're, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. And I'm going <laughs> to come back by thanking... Our wonderful patrons. Yes. Thank you so much to Andres Reales, Connie Lee, Valentin at Datafold, Santa Hopar, Noah Frazier Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Shardle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Lanfair Puligai Gave Up, Go Go Go, Kashocton Ohio, Patreon.com.au, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Oladapo Fadye, Will Angel, Agner. <laughs> that's a good one it's it's a good one I appreciate it every time Nick Hathaway Travis Sanders Braden Keynes John Grant Bartek Tatkowski Cody Sale Nick Cantor and Philip John Basile thank you thank you so much thank you we appreciate it and we show our appreciation in lots of ways one of the ways is by inviting you to our Slack team if you go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon you'll get an invite to this team where you can type any ASCII characters that you wish the other way charge, yeah. that we thank people... Well, you can do way more than ASCII, by the way. Just don't want you to feel limited. I don't want to overwhelm them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. The other way that we thank people is I actually have a morning ritual where every time I put my left sock on, I think of mm -hmm. the name of one of our patron Patreon contributors. I've been doing that for years. When you take the sock off, do you expel the name yeah, from yeah, your brain? Yeah, I can't remember any of the names. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I do? If you look at the video, you will notice... This delightful giant stuffed cat and i i name that rotating after our our patron <laughs> contributors nice my kids are very confused by what to call it <laughs> what's the name this day father <laughs> do you want to read our first question i do this comes from a listener named daniel who says how do i handle periods of time where i am just not productive as i used to be i'm talking about periods of several weeks for example, when your kids are ill all the time, 
parenthetical note, daycare fun, or you are down because of X, Y, Z. Hmm. That X, Y, Z gets me down too. <laughs> Those domain names are so expensive. <laughs> you down because the top level domain of... Hang on. This is important that I Google. Are you checking to see if X, Y, Z is a valid... No, I know it is. TLD. I swear it got a bad rap for being very expensive. I've never I looked it up. All right. I gave up. I got partway through looking it up and then failed to persist. <laughs> yeah. You're just not as productive as you used to be, Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Usually I quit. <laughs> what do you quit exactly? Are you talking about your job? Your whole job? Yeah. Usually. Oh. Yeah. Usually this is typically the end of each of my jobs is like, I enter the doldrums. I'm not productive. Yeah, and I just can't get out, and I feel bummed out, and I'm probably burnt out, and I'm probably feeling depressed in some way, and huh. trying to deal with problems in my life by quitting my job, and then the excitement of having to scramble to survive and get a new job distracts me from those problems for a while. Is this like, you're, you're, you're a thrill seeker. You're an adrenaline junkie. It's just a very weird I way was. of going about it. No. Yeah, maybe I'm not anymore. Well, I haven't done this in a while. Okay. I mean, some people go and they go skydiving. Jameson quits his job without any future prospects. <laughs> Puts himself <laughs> in a life or death situation. His very survival is on the line. That's like when you bring the ingredients to make a parachute on the skydiving. <laughs> on the airplane. <laughs> yes. Here's your sewing machine, canvas, and thread, and rope. We're taking off in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt so alive. Until the end. (laughs) Then you have felt more alive. Then there is, yes, there was a point in time where you felt more alive. I have felt more alive (laughs) in the past when I was alive. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if we're talking about the same thing, though, because some of this is talking about life circumstances, which can be kids being ill. It turns out there are all kinds of life circumstances, though. It can yeah. be any number of things. I feel like those are kind of separate separate situations that I would try to handle differently. But- For example, like one, one life circumstance could be that a new season of your favorite TV show just dropped. So I'm not as productive <laughs> as I used to be. <laughs> For weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take me a while to get through this. Ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you think, Dave? I don't know. I feel the ups and downs myself as well. It does happen. I am am one of the least self-aware people that I know. And by that, I mean that my own mood is usually not apparent to me. I I have come to learn that when some people are grumpy or frustrated or happy they can quantify that and they can articulate that clearly. And it's in, I guess it, it, I don't know. Is that like you, Jameson? Are you able to identify yourself that way? Like when you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. For me, I find out that I'm in a bad mood when people say, are you okay? (laughs) And then I go, oh, I guess I am in a bad mood. It's just not, it's not something that is like a metric that's in the forefront of my mind, you know, my mood level. So for me, I notice the productivity drops, but they don't bother me as much because I generally don't know how I feel. <laughs> so I guess I guess one technique... Ignorance is bliss, yes. I guess. <laughs> one, 
one technique to handle the periods of time when you're not as productive as usual is to become unaware of these things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do that. That's a pretty self-aware description of how you are not very self-aware. Well, it though. took me 40 years to come to that understanding. So ah, that's how... Got it. That's how I know. You would have known at birth if you <laughs> if you really had this figured out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I have some suggestions that are divided into two categories. And the first category is stuff's going on in your life. Maybe you are sick. Maybe a loved one is sick. Maybe your basement flooded like mine did twice last week. We've had a lot of rain here. Yeah. There's there's something going on that is not that that, that demands your time and attention outside of work. And for those situations, I have found it most effective to talk to my coworkers and my manager about it. There have been times where I am maybe unwilling or, or maybe it's something a little more private, so I don't yeah. want to go into details about exactly what it is. Like, I can't believe you just admitted that your basement flooded on this public podcast. <laughs> I, that is... I didn't say what it flooded with, so... <laughs> <laughs> Flooded with meth juice. <laughs> yeah, so so um, people are generally reasonable, and good news about life is that it's hard for everybody sometimes. Yeah, it turns so, out. So, yeah, most likely your coworkers have gone through something that has affected their, their ability to dedicate their time and focus to work. So there's yeah. probably some more understanding for it if you address it public or, or openly, I would say. At least acknowledge it, right? just hide it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have this thing going on. I'm, I'm going to be less available between these hours for the, this many days. And and I would first talk to my boss about it and say, is this okay? Do you have any concerns here? Any suggestions for what I can do to lessen the impact there? And if they're okay with the uh, the kind of time bounds that you put around it, then tell your tell your team and people that expect to work with you. If there's somebody you, I don't know, collaborate with often, you don't want to just not be around and have them wonder like, what is happening to this person? That's right. And these days, there are some things that they will wonder that they did not wonder a few years ago. Namely, did you get a second job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very timely. We we just talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I am, I'm telling you, I've been in multiple conversations where that very question comes up. I think one of my team members is working a second job. You know, I just can't explain their unproductivity any other way. It didn't occur to us that maybe their basement flooded. I, they, yeah, their second job was bailing out their basement. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, lot of work to drink up all the meth juice. <laughs> but the, so there's some kind of built in like, Courtesy and understanding, there is kind of a limit to that, which gets a little uncomfortable, right? Like if you're if you're around less for a couple weeks, that's pretty pretty easy to work around in the most case. In most cases, yeah. if this is like a chronic thing, if it's going to be months or years, then there might be legal remedies. Some countries have like carve outs for disability or leave of some kind, or your company might have some kind of policy. Mm-hmm. Usually those involve some amount of, of pay reduction or like there's some trade-off. It's it's usually not like just go on vacation forever and we will pay you forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like that option, please. Yes. Yeah. I'd like but the there option. is a, uh, yeah, there's this fuzzy period of like a couple weeks, 
you'll be fine. And then longer than that, it gets tricky and, and you have to start. You probably need to have some uncomfortable conversations about like what the company needs out of you and if you can meet those needs long term. Yeah. And like you said, Jameson, there's a lot of reasons why someone could be less productive. But the one that I'm zeroing in on in this question is that uh, you are just down because of mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. And, I, and I'm reading into X, Y, Z to mean just like, you know, just stuff, life. I'm just yeah. feeling, I'm just not feeling it right now. The motivation is low. I sit down to code, but it's just not cranking out of me. I, you know, I'm I'm easily distractible. That's the one for me. It's, it's distractions that yeah. suck me away from my job more easily than if I'm super engaged and, and excited. And in those yeah. situations, I think it's the most important that you are willing to talk about it, at least to someone. Because in my view, what's happening in that situation, watch out, I am a space psychologist. So I'm about to, you know, drop some space psychology on you here, which is that the reason you are unproductive in those circumstances is actually subconscious. There's something going on subconscious, subconsciously that is making your productivity levels lower. And the only way to counteract that or to, to do it earlier than it would otherwise naturally happen is to move that into the conscious realm. So that, And the way that I do that is by talking about it to someone, like a trusted confidant, a mentor, a friend, or a spouse, or something like that, who can talk mm-hmm. you through it. And then what ends up happening is that turns into action plans where you can actually do something about it. And they might say, yeah, you know what? You should take a day off. Or you should go ride your bike. You should go exercise, you know, whatever. Like, here's some ideas. And suddenly you're now actively working on the problem instead of just kind of sitting there as a, just kind of waiting for the problem to be done. You know, it's like waiting for the yeah. rain to stop. Yeah. So that's been, that works for me. And I think the, like, the last thing I'll say on this topic is that it's, it's good to be aware that this is a common occurrence in the human condition, that not every week will be peak performance week. And also not every week will be bottom performance week. So just because you had a bad week yeah. doesn't mean that all the rest of the weeks are going to be bad. And the fact that you had a bad week will help you recognize that what the good weeks are, like what they actually look like, what your productivity potential is in any given week. So hold on to it. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. You'll be fine. Happens to everybody. Just bounce back and don't let it turn into a multi-week drag out. I like that. That might even apply on Earth. Maybe. I mean, yeah. let's get orbital and then we'll talk. Okay. I've found sometimes that a change in work circumstances can help kick me out of the the blaws. By which you mean a new job? Maybe I... Well... (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the extreme, the extreme case. form. But I mean, yeah. like, yeah, like new new projects. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe switch it, switching teams is a pretty big deal, but less yeah. of a big deal than a brand new job. Learning a new technology, a like tech, if, yeah, a different tech stack, or I mm-hmm. don't know. Just there's there's a range of things you can do at your current job to kind of change the kind of work that you're doing, and and often that helps if it's sort of an, an a passing thing that that doesn't have like a deep underlying cause you want to know the biggest one for me ever what two and a half months ago i started a new job and that wasn't the big thing the big thing was now i go into an office and i work with other people three days a week and it's been a huge boost to my productivity i didn't Hmm. realize over the last four years i was i've been working remote full remote since pre-pandemic and i didn't realize that for those four years i was just like slowly deteriorating (laughs) it kind of awakened me and now i work you know 60 percent in person and it's awesome like i'm never distracted when i'm in the office 
It's like, I don't know, there's yeah. something about having people around that creates this like really nice accountability system that works great for me and I'm happier with it, you know? Hmm. So that, that works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. In fact, some of my team members are just like, I will never come into this office. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I like it. Did, did you choose deliberately or were you asked to come into the office? You chose Well, to it, it was part of the, it was a known it was it was known by me before I took the job that it was required to be in the office three days a week for this role, and I was I was actually looking for that because yeah. I had come to the realization. Remember how self aware I am? Like on a scale of mm-hmm. one to ten, I'm like a one. It took me four yes. years to realize that remote work was getting me down. Huh? You'd think I would have figured it out because in the first year I would travel every quarter and spend the week with my team, and those were the best, most energetic, most productive weeks. And then I'd go home and just be like. Ugh. I'm I'm unproductive. I don't know why, though. (laughs) Actually, I didn't even know I was unproductive. It took me four years to figure that part out. I've been working from home for longer than that. In part, now I wonder, did I just forget what it was like? And then especially the pandemic has taken away the the in-person get-togethers. So I haven't even had those those, like meetups for the past few years. Oh, man, that's true. Not everybody needs that, I'll say. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of engineers, I think, are just happier without it without the in-person work. Yeah. And I'm fine with that for my team, but not for me. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, should we uh, go on to the next question? Yeah, let's do it. I think I would very much like it if you would read this one. Then I will. I want to do things that make you happy, Dave. I know. This is from an anonymous listener who says, how do you turn not really constructive feedback into useful feedback? I have a difficult time dealing with PR reviews from a specific colleague. They have a way to push my button somehow. It's like even when they are actually right, the way they approach the subject or how nitpicky their comments are, make it hard to take the feedback or start a healthy discussion. I become confrontational. I know it's not good to react like this, but I don't feel comfortable talking directly to them about it to try to smooth things out. I don't think it's personal, as I've seen these kind of comments on other people's PRs too. I am aware that this might be overly sensitive, but it's like every time they're reviewing my PR, I get this feeling of, oh no. Not this person again. <laughs> I need to mentally prepare myself for their comments. I'd like to find a way to take the core of the feedback that might be useful and ignore the rest that might feel dismissive or opinionated. But I thought you might have some tools for this. The main reason I care about it is that this reflected badly on my latest performance review, as I had stellar feedback in general, and the only area of improvement pointed out was that I should learn how to deal with mistakes or negative feedback better. I'm aware it can be a weak point of mine, but I... I know that a big part of that comment from my manager comes from my interactions with this specific colleague. Aha, uh-huh. I see. Negative, you're getting feedback on your code reviews. It's coming across really strongly negative and not just, you know, not just, what's the word I'm looking for? It's negative in the sense that they want you to code differently, but it's not just negative. It's like, it's personal. It's like- yeah you are a bad person and I hate you and you should feel bad. (laughs) And apparently you're, so the question asker's reaction is strong enough that their manager noticed and called it out in the performance review, which means, you know, it's, it's probably happened enough and it's been high enough magnitude that they called it out. Yeah. I have an idea that feels like kind of a workaround, but might help, which is some, Agreement on expectations for how you communicate feedback in pull reviews Mm. on a pull pull request in code reviews. Mm -hmm. Those words. I'll have to find the article. I dug it up a while ago. I think I mentioned it on the show before, but 
there's a company that has this this system of ranking like importance of feedback oh. by by default when you at least in github when you type your feedback everything is a comment right it all looks the same right and and, and it's not all the same so all the same sometimes it's like a cool neat thing i noticed or sometimes it's a you have this glaring hole in your design that will cause a huge problem so the system is is to give like tags to these different categories and okay. i think the how many the categories one I saw was Oh, there were like five. I don't know that the number matters that much. There were there were nineteen simple categories. It's very yeah. straightforward. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, this one was based on uh, like rock sizes, so it was like pebble, pebble and then uh -huh. I was like grain of sand. And... Did it start with a grain of sand? Please say yeah, it's probably. Not. Yeah, D dust particle. <laughs> yeah, they did not one silica atom. <laughs> <laughs> But the way that might help is there could be some of this feedback that the feedback giver feels strongly is really important that you take. And there could be some that is like their opinion that yep. it comes across pretty strong, but really they they won't put up a huge stink if you don't follow it. Or, or really, they, they don't think it will have a huge impact if you don't follow it. Right. And even if they don't think this, having this system can encourage them to categorize it this way. Because if every single one of their comments is like, mountain, right. paren, needs another <laughs> <Yeah>. space here. <laughs> like, no, it isn't. <laughs> mountain. I only do yeah. mountain. We have everything yeah. from single particle of dust up to mountain, and I only use the mountain. Yeah. Mountain. Flip the variable names of the inner and outer loop. <laughs> From I to J, vice <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so th this is kind of a not kind of. This is definitely an indirect solution because you're you're completely avoiding like talking to this person about yeah. it and becoming more stoic and stalwart in the face of this feedback that is upsetting to you. But it might be good for your team. There there could be benefits there especially if, if this same interaction is happening with this person and, and other people. It's also possible that you can just talk about this and then like it doesn't happen or it doesn't work. or Right. Everybody does it, but this person. They don't then, even notice. They're like, yeah. huh? Yeah, it didn't even help. <laughs> that's that's the thing you could try. I'm just thinking of failure modes for this approach. And like one, one way that this goes bad is you're you're sitting down with your team and you're presenting this system for how to, how to convey the strength of each comment on a code review. Mm -hmm. And um, the person in question, the other person that's causing all this grief to you, they actually propose an alternative system of communication for how people respond to code review comments. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. Right back at me. Yeah. No. Or in the presentation, they raise their hand and say, Mountain, I think this idea is garbage. And we shouldn't do it. <laughs> totally. I've I've been on the receiving end of negative, you know, strong, overly strong language in code reviews, which I think is how I would summarize this: overly strong language that you feel is sensitive it, is to. Is it like overly certain? Like it feels like yeah, that's how it was for they're, me. They're saying like this this is bad, and you're like, like no, that's a stylistic choice that I right disagree right. with. You know, like I've known a couple of people who have given me feedback like this that I thought. You're you're using words and tone that convey that this is extremely important and extremely bad and must be fixed, 
But when I look at the actual recommendation, it's either not right or not that important. You know, like I remember yeah. I, I got feedback once that in Java, you know, your jeez, uh, it was like, you know, change your order of operations on your and condition here because this one is more likely to happen more frequently. Like so it will make your and condition go faster and it'll run faster. And th- those are the ones that really bother me because it's like, oh, really? You think it'll run faster? Did you go ahead yeah. and, and take the PR and run it locally and benchmark that code? Or did you just say, yeah, that looks like it'll run faster to me? Like that that one always bothers me because I'm like, it's intellectually late. I feel like it's intellectually lazy to accuse someone's code of being slow when you haven't actually timed it. You know? Yeah. It's like saying, you know, the zero to, the zero to 60 on this car is so fast. It's like, well, I've never driven one or no one's ever measured one, but just look at it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's so fast look looking. The sleekness of its lines. I know, there's look, a, and it's red. <laughs> there's a guy named Vyashlev Igorov, I think is his name, who's worked on, I think he's worked on Dart for a long time, but he used to give a lot of talks about performance in, in JavaScript when the the like JIT stuff was was fairly new. And I remember him saying, is the compiler smarter than a table? Like you should ask yourself this question every time you look at a benchmark in, in his cool Russian accent. Uh-huh. What does he mean by yeah. table? Well, like, I don't know. Think of that order of execution thing. Like a not dumb person could say, well, maybe the compiler could figure out which thing is more likely to be oh, false right, and put right, that right, first. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, someone wrote a compiler. So anyway, yeah. So that always got me. And I've known two people in my life who have been this way. And I found out I just over the course of years, I it just occurred to me that their communication style is just a little different and they don't actually mean to come across this way. And so I learned slowly to take those comments as how they were, I hope, intended and not as these mm. like daggers to my heart, you know, <laughs> that attack my very self. And that's called developing thick skin. And frankly, that's a valuable skill to have. And I think that's something that people, especially in software engineering, can benefit from. Yeah. So you're talking about specifically the ability to not take it personal and, yeah. and get confrontational about don't it. Don't get worked up. Like, just don't don't worry about it. It's like they wrote what they wrote. Now you get to choose how you're going to feel about it. You know, and there will be a default feeling that you might have to fight. Man, here we go. I'm doing psychology again. What is this? <laughs> it's crazy. But well, I have a technique for how I deal with this. So that technique is I follow a pattern whenever I receive feedback. And the pattern is, step one, thank them for writing the feedback. And this, when I say thank you for sharing that feedback, it just immediately, I don't know what it is about my brain, but it immediately changes the mindset from I'm going to defend myself to I'm going to thank you for taking the time to put in the work to help make our code better. You know, thank you for putting in the time to give me this feedback. Uh, then I respond with, you know, if I have counterpoints or whatever else, I, I can I can communicate that back to the person. But I always start with thank you, even if it's like really strongly negative. You know, it's like whatever it is, they put the work in to do it. So you should thank them for that. And side benefit, your mindset might change to be a little bit less defensive. So that that could help with your reaction. If, if the problem is mainly kind of the... the the other person, the f- yeah. Well, also, <laughs> I'm yeah. well, it's always the other person. <laughs> I know we, clearly. It <laughs> wouldn't be our question asker if you are able to successfully act on the feedback and either like resolve it or not or whatever. Like get get your stuff through, mm-hmm. but the feelings are are the problem that can help. I feel like there could also be a, a problem beyond that where it's like I am very offended and attacked, 
And now we have to like battle it out over yeah. which what the order of these stupid things is in the mm-hmm. and clause or whatever. And and you will do that more calmly, but you still have to do that if they're really going to stick to their guns, right? You still have to actually address their concerns. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Like you well, might be more calm about it and not get worked up. So but I think at, at some point you will have to either say, uh, "Okay, I, I give in," or right, I right. have look, I I convinced you you are wrong, or I disagree. Or I accept and your feedback. Right? Just, like I'll just change my code. Yeah, yeah. Like the passive mode. That's true. And I think so. Th- this is actually harkens back to your previous point, Jameson, about how the the reviewer should take the time to to communicate the level of importance of their comment. And um, if they don't, then you can ask them and say, okay, I've heard your feedback. I understand it. I I don't, I want to make sure I understand how important this is. Are you saying that you'll block this PR until this is addressed? Or are you yeah. comfortable with this shipping to production? And I promise to create a Jira ticket that will sit on the shelf and never get looked at. Yeah, if, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> if, uh, Can we address this in a follow-up pull request? That will never happen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, calling out explicitly like, do you want to use your veto on this? Because exactly. you don't get infinity of these. Yeah, you don't get right. You, you become the person who just blocks everything for exactly. no reason. Because because I think if you keep your eye on the outcome that you're going for, and the outcome that you're going for is working code in production that produces the value that you want, which is usually for an end user or customer or whatever it is. And so if you stay focused on that and don't get sidetracked by my code has to go to production as is, because that's not the objective. The objective is a useful feature being built or a useful bug being fixed or whatever it is for the end user. So keep that person in mind and then find the best path to that outcome. Yeah. Figure out the right thing to do. I think that's what that advice was. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy. Maybe that should be our new quit your job is do Just the right thing. Do the right thing. Think of the outcome that you want and then do the things that will get you that outcome. <laughs> yes. When you have two options laid before you, choose the one that will lead to the outcome you want. That's great. It's a perfect it's advice. <laughs> <laughs> if If you have more than two options... Keep removing options that won't lead to the outcome you want That's until you have two. <laughs> until only one pick remains. The one you want. <laughs> and it's yeah. the one that gets you there. <laughs> That's induction, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Start with a base case. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right. Boy. Have we answered the question? I think we got pretty close. It's a tough okay. situation. And I'm tempted to go into the topic of can you change other people? Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, you can't. Is the, okay. Is the answer. <laughs> okay. No, Easy. this person is unlikely to become less conf. Yeah, they may less, choose to change themselves efficient. eventually, but yep. it will not be because of something you did. <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've seen that happen too. Do you know what will change them, Dave? Uh, no. Sharing this show with them. Oh. <laughs> and not not this show, as in like, listen, you're the bad person in this question. I want you to listen to all the. I want you to be called out, but like expose them to soft skills engineering. Watch as their life improves as they absorb <laughs> positive energy and develop their space law degrees. And just I would say watch them as their life slips into a slow but obvious spiral of doom where they become <laughs> less productive at work, more obstinate, more misanthropic, and eventually they stop listening to this podcast and get back to being happy. Well, they just uh, applied the do the right thing methodology incorrectly then. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Unless that was their goal, <laughs> I guess.
Anyway. Yeah, okay. Ah, question answered. What can people do if they if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. And remember, when you go to our website, the first thing you got to do is say, what is the outcome I'm going for? And then just look at all the buttons on the page and click the one that will get you to that outcome. <laughs> once again, once again, the advice works. You can fill out that form. And we want to say thank you to everyone who fills that out each week. We love reading your questions. They are very, very good. Frankly, they are question fuel. Hmm? They are fuel. How? It, it's How's a metaphor. That? It's a metaphor. They like oh. they, they fuel our passion and desire to keep doing the show. Oh, very true. Yes, shoveled into the the furnace, the flames growing ever higher, the steam of <laughs> wisdom heating up. <laughs> way to way to pull the metaphor and really just let it go. That was awesome. <laughs> Flowing through the pipes of the internet. The series of tubes. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Okay. Thank you for listening. Right. <laughs> we will catch you next week. <laughs>